This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Praise the Lord, Dr. Hansen. Thank you for standing by. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you, Shannon? Hey, doing fantastic. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here for another broadcast of the Warning Program with Dr. Jonathan Hansen and World Ministries International. Dr. Hansen, would you like to open us up in prayer? And the mic is yours. Thank you. Father God, we want to come to you in the most precious name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, dear God, for this opportunity to reach the nations. We know leadership is critical, so we pray that tonight's program will help those that are looking at leadership, that are choosing leadership, whether it's in the state, the nation, the church, or even in business. So we can make wise choices so we can be successful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Spotting eagles. Assisting, addressing ascertaining leaders. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Dennis Connor an American yachtsman won the bronze medal at the 1976 Olympics. He was a two-star world champion and the man who won the America Cup in four straight races. He explained how he did it. He said, I surrounded myself with quality people who made me look good. A leader's success or failure is determined not by his ability to perform well or gather followers, but by his ability to recognize, raise up, and release other leaders. Let me say it again. A leader's success or failure is determined not by his ability to perform well. You can have the best speaker, the best minister. You can have the best information, but if you don't have a team, it doesn't get out there well. Connor said, I surrounded myself with quality people who made me look good. 
He made it happen. So team ministry is essential. The right people, quality people, if you're going to have success. Again, you can have the best product, but without the also quality people, you're not going to succeed. Your message isn't going to go very far. A leader's success or failure is determined not by his ability to perform or gather followers, but by his ability to recognize, raise up, and release other leaders. I hope you caught that. I was taught years ago by an apostle. Now, he was raising other apostles. Now, you can speak to millions, you can speak to thousands, but if you want to spend time, discipleship, you can only spend so much time into people. 12 to 15 people is all you can spend a lot of time with. Discipleship. He said, raise those that are teachable, trainable. If they're teachable, if they're trainable, if they're correctable, if you can correct them, train them. You'll have an apostle in 10 years. But if you spend your time with the wrong person, in 10 years you'll have nothing but the same stubborn person. The better we are at surrounding our person and saturating our purposes with people of high potential, the greater will be our success. We need to focus on recognizing potential leaders. I call this spotting eagles. Knowing the difference between eagles, sparrows, and buzzards is a mark of real leadership. Without this quality, the most gifted and attractive, loving and caring, intelligent and capable leaders never maximize their fullest leadership potential. What do you have around you? Do you have leaders? Sparrows, buzzards. Well, depending on what, what you have depends how far you go. Sparrows, earthbound, cannot soar. Perspective is limited. In other words, no common sense. Eagles, they soar. Kings of the sky crave living blood. In other words, they're not satisfied with the dead. They want to continue to move ahead, to live. With everything the gospel said, we can possess. They eat from heights. Buzzards, pretender, soars but only so high, but still earthbound, eats roadkill, garbage, Always looking for death and weakness. Surround yourself with eagles. Eagles. You don't need sparrows. You don't need buzzards. You're not going to go very far if that's who you have on your staff. Eagles are dependable. They live up to their commitments. Their word is their bond. When an eagle tells you he will do something 
or give something, you can count on it. His word is money in the bank to a leader. Solid rock beneath his feet. Title deed to a job well done. Eagles take ownership of assignments. They are low-maintenance workers. Man, if you always have to watch somebody and be on them, you are wasting your time with a sparrow. And all you're going to do is spend so much time you can't expand very well. And he's not going to expand you. An eagle succeeds because his assignment becomes his obsession. His assignment becomes his obsession. He has the vision of the leader. Some people's obsession is only they watch the clock. Boy, they're pretty good at it. What is our obsession? Is it the assignment? We want to get it done? We want to expand? We want to grow? We want to soar? We want to be successful? Or is it just a job? T.F. Zimmerman. One of my, it says, the highest compliment would come from T.F. Zimberlin. You don't have to draw a picture. Just tell him once, then go home and sleep soundly. Can you just tell somebody and forget it? Sleep soundly? Is he going to get the job done? Is it going to be an obsession until he gets it done? Eagles have a positive attitude. John Maxwell. Everybody has heard about John Maxwell, the books. He talks about the winner's edge. The winner's edge is not a gifted birth, an IQ, or a big talent. The winner's edge is all in the attitude. The attitude. Zig Ziglar says, it's not aptitude, but attitude that determines your altitude. Not aptitude. You can be real smart. Absalom was smart, but he was a traitor. You got some other smart people that are lazy. Other smart people that their heart's not in it. It's not aptitude, but attitude that determines your altitude. In other words, how far do you go? How far do you succeed? How far do you fly? What's a good attitude? Webster defines attitude as a disposition to respond positively to a person, idea, or situation. A disposition to respond positively to a person, idea, or situation. To be passive, pessimism, internal dry rot. You know, a pessimist. A drug that drags you down, a computer virus of the soul. If you got a lot of pest 
you know, people that are just doubters, get rid of them. There's leaders that people have on their staff, and when they give them an order, they can say, you know, if I give somebody an order, if he says, you know, I've got it, I've got it. Well, can you trust him? Some people, when they say, I've got it, you can trust them. Or, I'll get it done. You can trust them. They might say, hey, chief, forget it. It's done. And others, yeah, I'll do it. But you don't trust them because the next thing you look, they forgot. So you got to babysit them. We're talking about how far do we soar as a team? Can we soar? You can have the best quarterback if we want to say football. And football, the best quarterback. But if he doesn't have other members on the team that also are quality, he's not going to win. Eagles are nourishers. Every significant relationship in your life Ministry business affects you up and down. Do you go to work and come out of work happy or are you depressed and mad? Hello. It depends if you're surrounded by eagles, sparrows, or buzzards. If you're a buzzard and a sparrow, change your ways, become an eagle. Because you're just dragging success down. I'd like to tell every leader, know those who share your vision and compliment your efforts for they will make you better or bitter. They'll make you better or bitter. Will your team make you better or will they make you bitter because you're so frustrated? Do they uplift you, encourage you, strengthen you, help you to expand, help you to get the job done? Or are they just what the Bible says, a millstone around your neck? And you're just trying to keep everybody afloat. Cultivate and spend time with people who pick you up, not put you down. Fill you full, not drain you dry. It's fun to work with quality people. Man, it's a headache to work with the others. Avoid those who don't appreciate you for who you are and what you believe. Avoid them. 80% of leaders' time, energy should be spent with 20% of the people. A pastor, a senior pastor, always knows that you spend the majority of your time with your staff, your assistant pastors. They make or break you. That's why we said at the beginning... The apostle who told me, make sure your people you are personally discipling, working with, spending 80% of your time, make sure they're teachable and trainable. Or in 10 years, you still got nobody. And you wish you fired them a long time ago. If you have the right people, you can turn them into real leaders. 
And they can make you very successful because not only are you now moving with that level of competency, they are too. And if you can have 10 moving with the same level now, wow, 10 times more productivity. But if not, you're still scratching the surface from where you started 10 years ago. Again, avoid those who don't appreciate you for who you are and what you believe. Avoid them. If they don't appreciate you, you don't need them. Eagles are influencers. The best definition of leadership is influence. Leadership is influence, not position. The late C.M. Ward, who never held a major position in his denomination, used to say, wherever I sit is the head of the table. Wherever I sit is the head of the table. Is your head in gear? I said he never held a major position in his denomination, but he said, we're talking about influence. Wherever I sit, that's the head. In other words, I have so much influence. I can go anywhere and have people gather around me. Anywhere. Everywhere I go, it happens. I don't need position. I have influence, which gives me then the position. You say, am I a leader? See if somebody follows you. That should tell you something right away. Power does not come from position. Position comes from power. Never offer a person a position to get him into your church. Offer him a position only when he is already exercising the power you need in that position. If you give him a position and he's not qualified for that position, he's not exercising that level of quality and power of the Holy Spirit, all you got is a vain person with a, who's proud and vain, and like Absalom, he'll betray you. Let's look at four P's of influence. Purpose. Produces passion. Passion produces power. Power produces position. Position reinforces purpose. Do you get it? Purpose produces passion. I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. I have a purpose in life. I want people with that same passion. I want quality people so we can grow. If you're out there and you're looking to hire people, listen to what I'm saying. Look for these qualities in a person. Hire them, not the others. Because I'll tell you, you're not going to grow with them. Passion produces power. Power produces position. And position reinforces purpose. One way to spot an eagle. Find the person in the group to whom others look for. Find the person in the group to whom others look for. 
suggestions for improvement, solutions to problems, sanctions on procedures. Are other people looking and listening to this person's suggestions for improvement? Do they listen to solutions for problems? Does he have good solutions? And sanctions on procedure. Are people thinking this person is quality and wise or just a dunce? Again, if you want to know whether or not you're an eagle, go somewhere and do something. If people follow you, you have an eagle quality. Everywhere I have gone, I can create something out of nothing. I'm not trying to brag, but I am saying, trying to make a point. Everywhere I've gone, started churches out of nothing that became mega churches. Started the ministry, WMI, out of my garage. As I move, tomorrow I'm speaking to leaders in Seattle. The next day, to a leader's church. If you're a leader, people seek you out. People want you. Doors are opened. Results are there. They want me tomorrow to teach leaders. And much of it is going to be what I'm teaching you tonight. Eagles are energetic. George W. Crane said, There is no future in any job. The future lies in the person with the job. Did you catch that? There's no future in any job. The future lies in the person with the job. People make things successful or people just do nothing and just tread water. If we're going to have a successful day, it's the people that are going to make it successful in your ministry. If they're on your staff. Are they doing something? Do they have passion? Are they trying to reach out? Or just treading water, looking at the clock, waiting to get off? You got the wrong people. Leaders seize opportunities to make things happen. Leaders hate deficits and laziness. Leaders hate deficits and laziness. They love balance and progress. They want things to move, to grow. They don't want to get in a rowboat and just stay there, sit around while the current moves you all over the place with no direction. Get your oar in the water and row. Let's go somewhere. They know that if it's not moving forward, it is drifting backward. Regardless of the kind of job or the size of the job, they are not embarrassed that it is too small. They are not intimidated that it's too large. They have a can-do mentality. They're not embarrassed that it's too small. With Time, if I have the time, I will speak anywhere. I don't care how small. 
I'm not intimidated if it's large. The larger the better. I love it large. Give me 200,000 people live. I'm on cloud nine. Why? Because I got something to say. If you're intimidated, you're not a leader. Well, I better just stay with my own 12 people. That's not an eagle yet. Might be a sparrow. I want the larger the better, although I'll go to small, if that's where God leads me. Again, they have a can-do mentality. I can do it. I will do it. I'll accept the challenge. If you don't step up to the plate, you'll never hit a home run. Some people never go anywhere in life because they... Their attitude is wrong. With the right attitude, that same person might have been an Olympic gold medalist. Instead, they don't even try. We call them a couch potato. Let's give an illustration, something everybody realizes and knows. Most people know in America, Michael Jordan. The score... 85 to 86. The Bulls were behind. It's a crucial game six of the 1998 NBA playoffs. Eight seconds left to play. Timeout is called. Chicago has possession. Everyone in the Delta Center, Utah Jazz coaches and players included, knew the ball would end up in Jordan's hands. For the Chicago Bulls, too, it was a no-brainer. There was no play to call, no screens to set. It's simple. Get it to 23. 5.2 seconds left on the clock. Michael Jordan buried the game-winning shot. A 20-footer that gave the Bulls an 87-86 win became the greatest moment of the decade in NBA history. A true leader. Not intimidated. I want the ball. I can do it. Give me the ball. I'll win the game. That's a leader. A sparrow, he doesn't even want to look at the ball. He doesn't want to fail. Oh, the, the ball's thrown to him. He's not even looking. It bounces off his head. Eagles are loyal. They're trustworthy. They stick in good or bad times up and down. Loyal. Loyalty. Psalm 91, 14 through 16. God's sevenfold promise to the loyal. Because he had set his love upon me, therefore will, one, I deliver him. Two, I'll set him on high because he has known my name. Three, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Four, I will be with him in trouble. Five, I will deliver him and honor him. Six, with long life will I satisfy him. And seven, I will show him my salvation. Loyalty alone does not make one a leader. Listen to what I just said. Loyalty alone does not make one a leader. But disloyalty prevents one from ever becoming a leader. Are you there? Disloyalty prevents you from ever becoming a leader. 
Disloyalty takes advantage of an overworked leader. David's son Absalom exploited this frustration for his own advantage. Absalom sat at the gate. He wanted to listen to the people's complaints. Not for good purposes. Not for loyalty to defend his father, the king. For disloyalty to raise up insurrection, rebellion. He was a selfish, grown-up brat. It's not altogether David's fault, Absalom would explain sarcastically. He's overworked, yet he stubbornly refuses to appoint a deputy. Did you hear what he said? Two things come out of his mouth. If you're not listening carefully, oh, he understands. He understands that he's causing insurrection, disloyalty, a rebellion. He wants to draw people to him. He's not defending his father. He's not forget defending the senior pastor. Oh, if I were senior pastor, yeah, I would understand that. You bet I would do it differently. Yeah, you traitor. That's why you're not the senior pastor. You don't have the quality to be one. You couldn't make something out of nothing. But you can sure destroy something that's created. It's not altogether David's fault. He's overworked. Yet, my father stubbornly refuses to appoint a deputy. Now, if I were deputy, I'd make sure you got justice. I would make sure there was equality. I would make sure there's plenty for everyone. Well, there's only plenty for everyone if the team works hard and produces money so they can be blessed. You can't give what doesn't come in. The appeal, the appeal ought to go your way, but well, who knows? Who knows what David would do? Who knows what my father would do? Is Absalom defending his father? Not at all. He wants the kingdom to go into rebellion. He wants to be the senior pastor. Or, in this case, the king. No one loves a demologue like the disgruntled. Grateful men bow down before Absalom and long for him to be their champion. Yes, Absalom will understand me. Yes, he will give me justice. Yes, king, he's too hard. He doesn't care. No, he just works day and night, has the kingdom to worry about. The crowning blow was Absalom's personal embrace in a traditional Middle Eastern style. This was designed to seal their loyalty to Absalom personally. Of course, he had no right to that dedication. <coughs> he was a traitor. He wasn't an ambassador. He was a traitor. It's like the senior pastor sending out his assistant pastor and the assistant pastor Oh, I, yeah, I understand the senior pastor. Yeah, yeah, he, he is pretty mean. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 he doesn't understand. Yeah, I know, he, he expects us to work too hard. That assistant pastor would have been better if he never was hired. 
And as soon as he's discovered, he should be released. Only David had a right to that type of loyalty and dedication that the people gave Absalom. He was the king. He had a lot more responsibility than just sit at the gate and kiss babies and understand the disgruntled and indulge in your selfish complaints. You know, it takes work, blood, and tears to build a kingdom. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. 2 Samuel 15, 6. Disloyalty is a fertile ground for open rebellion. <clears throat> disloyalty. His disloyalty caused his rebellion. His rebellion cost his life. A certain couple attended a small gathering. They were desperately trying to dig their way out of debt. The woman loudly complained with nauseism that her husband had taken a second job. The family never saw him. The children who were neglected, she felt like a widow. My precious wife finally asked the woman to help her in the kitchen for a few minutes. They disappeared for a half an hour. When the woman came back, she looked like a naughty child returning to class from the principal's office. For why she sat quietly, then completely out of nowhere, having nothing to do with the conversation, she announced, You know, that reminds me of what a wonderful man my husband is. Remember before the wife took her in and educated her, she was complaining about her husband. Oh, he's taking a second job. We don't get to see him. The kids don't get to see him. You know, my father pastored small churches. He had to work a full-time job on the side. Full-time, 40 hours a week. A church is full-time. So you can imagine the hours he put in. He only came to one football game in my entire 12 years. I didn't complain that he was a bad father or I never got to see him. He never spent time with me. I was proud of him. He provided food. He served the people of God. In other words, he served God. The difference was in attitude. My attitude. I had a good relationship with Jesus Christ, which gave me a good attitude, understanding what's important in life. Where this woman had a bad attitude until a senior woman sort of counseled her a little bit. Now, instead of tearing down her husband, oh, did I tell you what kind of a good husband I have? You know, that reminds me. He's a wonderful man. My husband is. Do you know he's taken a second job? He works so hard just to take care of me and the kids. What a change of attitude. Attitude. To take care of her and the kids. To take care. See, I was proud of my father. But some selfish other people might be mad at their father. The key is attitude. The key is relationship with Christ. Where's your attitude? You can spend 100% of your time with a brat and they're still a brat. 
Did you catch what I said? They're still a spoiled, immoral brat. It's not the time. It's the attitude. It's a relationship with God. Do you know how to sacrifice for Jesus? Or are you living just for this world? His wife helped her realize she was being disloyal to her husband by complaining to him, about him. She was complaining to other women about her husband. And this senior pastor's wife explained, hey, you're just selfish. You should be proud of your husband. He's taking care of you. She was tearing her husband down in front of others, which in turn elevated her stock with nobody. When people hear people gossip, it doesn't make them appreciate you. It makes them reject you, despise you, not trust you. In criticizing the wisdom and ability of a supervisor, a subordinate lowers themselves. A CEO of every corporation should periodically invite someone to teach his employees corporate loyalty. They must know how to deflect praise and admiration onto the boss while at the same time prove willing to accept the blame with things go wrong badly. I've had sometimes the unfortunate experience of calling somebody's office only to have the secretary say, I don't know where he is. Many times he doesn't even come in until 10 or 11. I guess he's playing golf. Man, that is a lousy secretary. I think you need to get rid of that bum. Maybe you don't know that that employer probably works 80 to 100 hours a week. And if he does take a few minutes during the day, it's because he works when you're sleeping. He's in the office day and night. Are we following each other? That's not a loyal secretary. Well, I'm sorry he's not available. Can I take a number? That's what should be said. Not speculating that he's playing golf or shopping at Hagen's. Or maybe he went through the snow goose for some ice cream. I guess he's playing golf somewhere. This is blatant disloyalty. The secretary is making her boss look bad. Perhaps it's an attempt to convey that she is there working while the boss plays. But I guarantee you she doesn't put in near the hours the boss does. Any boss of a business puts in way more time than the employees. They don't even get minimum wage because they're putting 16 to 20 hours in a day. Or the thing will go bankrupt. She's essentially saying, I don't know where my boss is. He can't do anything without me. Really? He can do one thing without you. Get a quality secretary. Let the thing grow. Disloyalty is singing on the worship team and complaining about the leadership of the church and the vision of the church. If we want a church of 10,000 with a 1,000-person worship team where during the worship we see people healed and demons screaming during the service, we have to all come together in unity and loyalty so we can have victory. You don't sing in the choir and complain about the vision of the church. Loyalty in action. 
Adam Albright, the pastor of a small Western church, announces his five adult Sunday school teachers. God has laid my, on my heart that for the next three months, all of you should teach on evangelism, the pastor says. I prepared these lessons for you. You can adjust them to suit your class. The next Sunday, all of you will begin the series. Teacher number one says to the class, the pastor said we have to teach this stuff for the next three months. I don't want, to, I don't want you to know that if I were the pastor, we wouldn't teach this. But I'm not the pastor, and this lesson isn't mine. Good night. That staff, get them as far away as you can send them. Teacher two obediently teaches the material. Her class responds enthusiastically, becomes soul winners, and actually causes the class and the church to grow. At the end of the series, they sing her praises. Without a great idea, you had to teach this series. Or what a great idea, you had to teach this series. What great lessons and marvelous outlines you had. Well, thank you very much, she says humbly. I really prayed over it. No, the pastor gave it to her. And I knew God was guiding me as I prepared and taught. Obedience in action. She stole the hearts of the people. But it was the pastor's vision. And she have, should have deflected the praise unto him. Well, I taught it, but he had a burden. He gave me the notes. But no, well, thank you very much. Yes, I did a great thing, and I prepared, and I prayed over it, and yes. I'm just showing you some examples of disloyalty. Teacher three teaches a series of lessons, but it goes badly. Everyone hates it. The class objects. We don't want to be soul winners. We like the easy, comfortable Sunday school class we had for 40 years. And you're pushing us out into the streets. This is not our comfort zone. We don't want this. To which the teacher replies, it wasn't my idea. I never wanted to teach this stuff in the first place. But you know how the pastor is. Complain to him. Are you seeing disloyal people? Are you seeing it? You can't grow a church or a staff or a ministry of business with these kind of people. You can't grow. You can have the best person running it, but your staff will pull you down. Teacher five, number four, Sunday school class complains, but she says, I felt it was God's will <clears throat> telling me to do. I tried to do my best. If the pastor could have taught it himself, I know he would do better, which he would have. So if you're angry, be angry with me. She, explains the, she accepts the brunt of the criticism, allowing all respect and admiration to pass to a higher authority. And Teacher 5, this is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to Sunday school. To which the teacher replies, I can agree with you because I had nothing to do with it. God and the pastor worked it out. pastor wrote it, handed it to me. Frankly, I had my misgivings, but I see now the pastor was right. I thank God he gave us the series, don't you? This is loyalty in action. I'm just showing you what honesty and loyalty is. A man does not simply act disloyal in some isolated case. A man is either loyal or the man is not loyal. Are you following me? If they're not some real repentance, 
then the person is not loyal. The person's a liar. It's not in just one case. Oh, you caught them in a lie here. They are a liar. Many times they lie. They just get away with it. Many times they cheat. They just get away with it. They're either loyal or they're not. And if you're watching or listening and you're not loyal, there needs to be real repentance. You're either loyal or you're not. Well, I'm trying to tell the truth. Well, tell the truth then. It's not hard. You know, I, it just baffles me when someone says I'm trying. What do you mean try? Just do it. Just tell the truth. Egos are not only dependable, they live up to their commitments, attitude, positive disposition to people, nourishers, they nourish other leaders, influencers, they influence people, energetic, they make things happen, loyal, possess loyalty, eagles are thinkers. How to guarantee a great idea? Work at thinking. You know, some people were raised never to think. Their idea is just to stay by themselves, drop out of society, be a mountain man. Well, never get married then because your wife won't like that. And if she stays with you, you've made her miserable until you learn to be a thinker. Now, in other words, you learn common sense. You learn to be socially adaptive. You don't drop out of society. You engage and learn. It's like the person who could have been an Olympic gold medalist, but they never tried. They just dropped out because they were afraid to learn. Thoughtfulness is a learned behavior. Thoughtfulness is a learned behavior. Behavior. Next to anointing, clear thinking is the single most powerful weapon. Clear thinking. Common sense. You are today what your thoughts yesterday have made you. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I think, therefore I am. You will be tomorrow what your thoughts today make you. Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, think on these things. Did you hear? Think on these things. Transform your mind. Get out of the rut. Think on these things. Augustine saw a thought, reaped an act. Saw an act, reaped a habit. Saw a habit, reaped a character. Saw a character, reaped a destiny. Spotting eagles. Seven qualities of potential leaders. Dependable. Live up to commitments. Attitude. Possess positive attitude. Nourishers. Enrich their leaders. Influencers. Influence others. Energetic. Makes things happen. Loyal. Display loyalty. Thinker. Produce growth ideas. These are seven 
qualities of potential leaders. They're dependable, right attitude, a nourisher, influencer, energetic, loyal, and a thinker. You can't be brain dead. You can't just be out to lunch. You can't be the scarecrow on the Wizard of Oz with only straw in the brain. Although that's what, how some people act. The scarecrow. Man, they need a new brain. What they need is to put on the armor of God and to dwell on the things I just said. Philippians 4.8 Whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, think on these things. Application, are you an eagle? Do you want to be? Isaiah 9, 6-7 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders of the increase of his government, and peace there shall be no end. You can be an eagle. Quality potential leaders. Loyal members breed unity and victory. Disloyal members breed confusion, conspiracy, gossip, criticism, and schisms, which bring defeat to the body and the vision. Are we there? Acts 2, 1 through 4, Pentecost. Why? They were in one, one accord. Acts 2, 41 through 47, 3,000 souls added. Why? They continued in the apostles' doctrine. Joshua 5, 5 through 9, Joshua 1, 5 through 9 and 18. The promise and conditions for, of God for victory and the penalty for disloyalty. Remember what the penalty was? Look only to, don't look to the right or left. Do what I say. And at the end, now this is 40 years after wandering in the wilderness. If any man will not obey, kill him. Sometimes as a senior pastor, you'd like that, huh? Oh, maybe you're too righteous to say it. I thought it a few times. Probably a good flogging would do it. The promising condition for victory. Just do what God says. And the, if you read it, Joshua 1, 5 through 9 and 18, if any man, see they were tired of wandering in the wilderness 40 years. If anybody won't do it, kill him. That's exactly what it says. Now, we can't do that today, but we can fire them. The point is, if, if they don't, in one accord in your family, your family does not prosper. If they're not one accord in the church, the church doesn't grow. If they're not one accord in the business, you fail. If they weren't in one accord, they wander in the wilderness. And the people were tired of 40 years of the wilderness. They said, kill them. Just kill that person. A wilderness for 40 years, you might have the same attitude. Man, if this stubborn guy can't learn, just kill him. Oh, no, I would never... Uh, you don't know what you would do. 40 years in the wilderness, let's see what you would do. Some of you can't stay four days in a tent. Not 40 years in a wilderness. 40 years! Not four days or seven days. I heard enough complaints when people were in the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days. Let, give me that 40 years and let's see that person bellyache. 
You'd see how carnal they really were. Exodus 32, 1 through 9 and 21 through 35. Because of Aaron listening to the people, instead of obeying the instructions of God through Moses, 3,000 people were killed, and the Lord plagued the people. Aaron was disloyal and compromised. We're talking about, again, quality. Eagles compared to sparrows and buzzards. People that are loyal or people that are backbiters, gossipers, criticizers, that bring nothing but defeat and the ministry will never prosper. Numbers 12, 1 through 10, because of Aaron and Miriam murmuring, the people were in disunity. Numbers 16, 1 through 50, because of a disloyal leader named Korah who led a rebellion against Moses with 250 leaders of Israel, thousands of people died in the earthquake. Thousands. 200 people died by fire, 250. 14,700 people died by the plague. The question is, how many people don't get your prayers answered when you're sick and you die? And how many people, I wonder, have a bad attitude of those people that die and their prayers can't be answered? How many of those people are in unforgiveness? How many of those people are gossipers or liars? You know, when people ask you to pray, you're supposed to go over that if you're the elder and just not pray. You're supposed to see these things. Is there reasons a prayer isn't answered? Are they with a spirit of unforgiveness, a complaining spirit, a critical spirit, a mocking spirit, a disloyal spirit, a backbiter, a criticizer, a liar? Well, you're supposed to lead him in repentance, not just pray for him. You wasted your time and gave him false hope. Hello. Amen? exactly what you're supposed to do. The elders are supposed to evaluate them. Spotting eagles, assessing leadership, keys to success or failure, growth or bankruptcy. Whether we take America back or whether we lose America, we need another great awakening. Shannon? What a powerful word tonight. We're live with Dr. Jonathan Hansen here on the warning broadcast, World Ministries International. And folks, you need to tune in every time we simulcast here. And not only here, but you can catch the warning program daily right there through World Ministries International. They also have a Roku channel. I want to remind people of Dr. Hansen, um, if a person would like to support the ministry, become a partner with World Ministries International, how can they do that? What options do you have available? They can go to my website, www.worldministries.org, Shannon, www.worldministries.org. Various ways to give there, including PayPal and Zelle. Uh, they can telephone 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248. Operators can take their phone call and take their credit card. Um, they can write a check to WMI, send it to World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Again, write on the check WMI and then send it to World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Also, subscribe and be an eagle. 
We need to take back America. We need to get into the stadiums. We need another great awakening. We need to have a, people put right back into Pentecost where we can go forth with power and authority and unity and cross the wilderness and get into the promised land. Shannon? Praise the Lord. Dr. Hansen, what shall we title this message for the archive tonight? Well, let's title it Spotting Eagles. I love it. Folks, tune in again tomorrow, same time for more from World Ministries International. And uh, one more time, what is the website, Dr. Hansen, for people to find you? www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Praise the Lord. You want to close us in prayer, my friend? Father God, thank you for Omega Man Radio, Shannon Davis. Bless them. Bless him real good, dear God. He's, he's on the front lines. Just bless him, his family. Encourage him. Bless his program. Bless our ministry, dear God, so all of us can sound the alarm and continue to expand and be warriors in this end-time battle before we see the great tribulation in its full intensity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Hanson. We love you all. God we bless you. love you too, Shannon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.